0: and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor-guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody, and I am once again joined by the most fabulous Wajahat Ali. You know him, uh, obviously, from his very brilliant Daily Beast columns, but he is also the author of the book, Go Back to Where You Came From, folks. And frankly, you can get it soon, January when does it come out?
2: Twenty-fifth. 25th. Twenty-fifth. 25th. I know. It's coming up. I gotta prepare. Uh thank you so much for uh for always inviting me. I always appreciate it. And it makes me feel like I've always said that I'm not crazy. And if I am crazy, at least there's another uh a sister with me who's crazy in arms. So at least we could be like crazy together.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, watch as 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 one does, we're like, what should we talk about? What part? Of the world falling apart, should we discuss? And you know what is evident to me? America does a wonderful job going around the world, going to the Middle East and telling them about how they treat women, going into China and talking about human rights violations and how they treat women, right? And right now in America, tell me where women are safe, Mm. right? They're not safe from harm, from men who are getting to dictate now in the 21st century what they can do with their bodies, when they can start families, how they can do it. And we have an active, active members of the GOP who are targeting in on women of color and joking about violence, using, saying that they're terrorists. Where are women safe right now?
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned how we kind of project uh, this narrative where America is the the beacon for women's rights and liberties. And oftentimes that trope that we're going to save these brown and black women from brown and black men has been used to justify uh, engines of colonialism. If you think I'm lying, just look at the war on terror specifically was white feminist and, you know, Laura Bush in particular, not exclusively, of course, who helped kind of fuel the engines of war and said, we have to save these Afghan women. Remember that? Save these Afghan women. Even now, just a couple months ago, let's save these Afghan women by fueling a war that ends up killing thousands of men, women, and children and destroys generations, right? And so we've done a pretty bang-up job, literally and figuratively, in destroying women abroad. But I, I tweeted this earlier today. I said, this country hates mothers and its children. And I said this Mm. in response to two news items. Number one, the fact that another teenager was killed in the aftermath of this brutal uh, mass shooting at a school, at a Michigan school. And and in America, this is not normal, people. Uh, The fact that this is normalized is, in my opinion, a massive sin because this is absolutely not normal when you see a video footage of kids literally wearing their masks, escaping the school classroom, as the shooter is outside lying to them and saying, "Oh, I'm the security. Open up." And the smart kids are like, "I don't think he's a security. Let's run, run, run." And nothing happens in this country. And this country also hates women. And we haven't even talked about the Supreme Court yet. We will. Or Ilhan Omar, or what's happening with the Islamophobia that is mainstreamed. We don't offer paid parental leave in the world's most you know uh, uh, powerful and wealthy country. Where to go back to your point. It's the only industrialized country that does not guarantee paid parental leave. Yet we have the audacity to go spread this narrative of America being the beacon of civil liberties and freedom and progress. So if you just look at those examples, and we haven't even talked about the Supreme <laughs> Court, like how Jesus. like this country hates women and, and, and children. Uh, what else can you say to me? Like what other country tolerates our children being killed on a weekly basis and mothers being punished for literally spreading life?
1: It is, it is outrageous to me. I mean, just the, the, the description that you just gave, because wa- watching the footage watch uh, of the shooting now that I'm talking about watching the footage of that, it didn't even dawn on me, right. That they're also wearing masks. Right. And mm. then as I'm thi- as I, after I finished watching it and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, these parents that we saw over the summer were throwing over tables and desks and threatening to kill officials mm. because of mask mandates in schools. Where the hell are the protests about sending your kids into uncertain death? Mm. Where 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 is the out, where was the level of outrage right that we saw put behind mask mandates people saying that those masks are traumatic mm. But this is the type of shit on a regular basis that you that you just tolerate, that it didn't it wasn't even the top news story when it came out about the shooting yesterday. Like it, It's just it's wild to me, mm. like where where we are.
2: Well, that's white supremacy for you. I'm sorry to say where Toni Morrison's beloved is more threatening than uh, a shooter with an assault rifle or this kid whose father apparently just bought the gun. He took it and boom, comes to school, right? That's how easy it is to get guns and weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, four days. And so you sit there and I'm glad you brought that point up, right? Because I thought Democrats had an opportunity, like we've mentioned before on Democracy-ish in Virginia, to be like, oh, GOP cares about kids. Uh, that's why they're banning masks. And that's why they're banning vaccines. And that's why they're not doing anything in gun rights, right? You had an opening there. And so it just goes to show you that they are more concerned about crt which is not being taught but basically any conversation about diversity then they are about literally mostly not exclusively white kids and white men shooting up our children right like, like when i was growing up and i think you were growing up at the same time we had fire drills and uh-huh. i've had i have three kids now they're at a certain age where they haven't gone to school because they're virtual schooling but a lot of my friends who have kids they've started telling me about like oh yeah my kid did a shooting drill i'm like excuse me they're like, yeah, shooting yeah. drills. Yeah, this has been happening for a couple of years. Like, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, you remember how we had fire drills? Our kids in America now have shooting drills in case there's a shooter that attacks their school they know what to do. Just pause and like sit with that for a moment. That is not normal. No. But we have to ban CRT.
1: And I have to tell you that listening to the sheriff um, in, in, in Michigan, listening to the sheriff... Uh, get asked questions by reporters. And one of the questions that was asked was, you know, do you think that we should have metal detectors? The sheriff, his response was, we don't have metal detectors in most of American schools. Like we, we, he's like, there is no preventable way to deal with this when you have people that will walk in and shoot up a school. He's like, I don't think that a metal detector is the answer. It's like, We see these shootings and then the response is capitalism. Oh, we should make bulletproof backpacks. That's an actual thing.
2: I don't even want to laugh, but it's like you have to kind of sometimes laugh at the absurdity of it or the right wing narrative you know what'll solve gun violence more guns in school let's give teachers guns because yep. yeah that's not going to end up in disaster can you just imagine a teacher who's not law enforcement not trained now dealing with the trauma of not only protecting their uh their children and also themselves but now like it's the wild wild west and they're dirty hairy that, that's i think that's like the fantasy that they have right like they're all john mcclain oh, yeah. and like hans gruber yep. is attacking and they're gonna take out their gun and even though they're without socks and they have like bloody feet they're gonna be the alpha men these these guys are cowards. These people are the weakest men and women on earth. They're the most fragile, brittle snowflakes. They crumble when Kaepernick takes a knee during the 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 anthem. Do you think they're gonna actually like be confident and take on like you know a killer? No, they're gonna end up shooting probably more kids. So it's it's a it's a deranged country. And I, the reason why I took it back to white supremacy is because these narratives are all connected, right? Rittenhouse, stand your ground. We're not gonna take it. You take your gun and you show them who's boss. We're in control. Laws we don't like, elections we don't like, we don't care. We're going to ignore it. And we're going to take a violent insurrection and take back our country. Courthouses, we're going to go and intimidate them. School boards, you're not going to tell us what to do. We're going to intimidate you to the point where the National School Board Association has to send a letter to Merrick Garland begging them for protection. That's where we're at right now. Jesus Christ. And, in the, and at the I, hearing, it was last month, I think in October in the hearing, you had Ted Cruz and other people like, you know, mocking them and saying, why are we taking this seriously? There's these two dozen incidents and don't parents have the right. And I, in my lifetime, I've never had school boards and teachers literally appeal to the attorney general saying, yo, we feel threatened by parents for simply doing our jobs and protecting our kids. So it's this it's this act of terror that I think you and I have discussed Uh, on this show before it's a it's a type of terrorism it's a type of white terror and it's a return i think you know i always can keep saying this they want to take this reclamation project back to 1953 and the reason why i always stop Mm. at 1953 Mm -hmm. is 1954 was when the supreme court ruled that segregation was unconstitutional in brown versus board of education which was the start of the culture war it wasn't abortion which will connect soon it was actually desegregation that kind of launched this right-wing white evangelical southern strategy movement to take this country back and we're seeing it now in an attempt to control women's bodies control black and brown lives to suppress votes and to do away with elections which they don't like this show is part of the
1: From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood, that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are
0: sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition.
1: The midterms are coming, and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections.
2: We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us.
1: We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you
2: there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, you a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs.
1: Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls.
2: Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come.
1: Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. that's represent.us slash pod. You know, I keep thinking, Waj, you know, particularly today with the Supreme Court's hearing, and we already know where this is going. Oh, we yeah. know where this is headed. The fact that we have to wait until, you know, I- I- until the verdict comes sometime in the summer is absurd, right? We, we knew where this was going the moment that Donald Trump won the election That's right. right and i today i keep thinking to myself we are here because of 53% of white women we are here because <laughs> you took because, it there. wow you went because, there because yes i'm going all the way there we are here because 53% of white women instead of voting for someone that looked like them right decided that they wanted to vote for a misogynistic racist piece of shit mm. that they decided that because they knew right it is not white women who are going to have an issue with abortion being banned. They never have, right? Because their husbands, their boyfriends, they will give them the money, right? They'll have the, they have the economic advantage, right? Mm. That is what white supremacy and patriarchy affords white women. That is where they vote. That is where they align themselves. That is where they find their power. And we are here right now right? At a stage of terror that I don't think that we've seen in this country since the early 1950s, right? An age of terror where they're not just going after one group. It is voting rights. It's abortion. It is, it will be same sex marriage next. It will be, and people think like, if you can overturn Roe v. Wade, if you can strip it, if you can strip voting rights, right? like the Supreme Court did in 2010. If you can do that, then what's to say that Brown versus the Board of Education won't be next? Because when people told me I was hysterical, give Donald Trump a chance, right, is what people said. That's what the mainstream media said. Give Donald Trump a chance. But when Hillary Clinton Another woman that we don't pay attention to Mm. told us exactly what was going to happen, exactly what was at stake. These people are deplorable who they are.
2: This is who they are.
1: "Mm." We said, "Uh, no, we're okay. We'll take we we love celebrity. We love wealth. We love greed. Yeah. We are a country filled with Gordon geckos. That's who we are. And so Donald Trump was their golden ticket. Yeah. Their golden ticket to take their hoods off and bring out their tiki torches to put the women back chained to the stove. Like, this is their moment.
2: If if, if someone repeatedly shows you who they are and tells you exactly their plot like a James Bond villain and and writes a six-point memo literally dictating how to take over the 2020 election in a coup, maybe it's time you should believe them. One thing I'll say about Bannon and some of the people who are more outright uh, with their uh, right-wing white supremacist ideology like Miller and Bannon and others is that they're not subtle. That's my one compliment to them. They'll tell you literally what their plan is. They'll they'll map it out for you. And when it comes to uh, killing women's rights and abortion in particular, they've been at it for decades and mm-hmm. when you had Kavanaugh and Barrett and all, and Gorsuch and all these people who are kind of non-committal in their answer, but they've been vetted by the Federalist Society and they have a track record uh, of emerging from this right-wing hackery and this ideological swamp, what do you think was going to happen? This is the top of their list, and it's not just abortion. What people don't realize, even those who are against abortion, right? A lot of people who are traditional, they're like, well, I'm against abortion. This is a f- good thing. They're going to go after contraception next. It's going to open up the way to go after yep. same sex marriage. And then you're going to go back to states' rights and say, well, does this, you know, do you need constitutional protection for X, Y, and Z? And you're going to slowly but surely not just chip away, but hack away at the progress that we have achieved since 1954, since the civil rights movement. And what's that recurring kind of common thread here? It's that's when white folks felt like they lost power. That's when the Southern strategy emerged for the Republicans to court white Democratic voters who had, quote-unquote, economic anxiety. And so when people say, I don't care, I don't care about Roe v. Wade, I'm like, you should care. Because the same people who are going after women's rights are also going after Immigrants who come from shithole countries, they want a Muslim ban, they want, they want a wall, they want uh, to kill elections, they want to go after school boards and teachers, it's an entire reclamation project, you have to, I think sometimes what happens is, people only care about their own issue, so like, I only care about women's rights, F them Muslims. I only care about Black Lives Matters, F them immigrants. I only care about you know uh, DACA, uh, F the rest. And you're like, you guys aren't paying attention. This is a reclamation project for a white Christian male minority, which is mm. supported by a majority. I know white women hate hearing this, but the data does not lie. White women. Because it was white women who helped kill the Equal Rights Amendment, right? Eagle Forum. pigs. a lot of those white conservative women said, hmm, Equality will actually be worse for our husbands and sons. We actually fare better with white male supremacy. So let's give a vote for Trump and Yep.
1: I mean, it is just so wild. And I think it's like their strategy, I thought initially, was chaos, right? Mm. But in the way that you have laid it out, it isn't chaos our response is chaotic. Our response is siloed Mm. and all over the place, right? Because everybody has their silo. Everybody has their issue, their thing. I'm a guns rights advocate. I'm a this person. I'm a that thing, right? And what they have done is actually just cast the wide net. They, have, they probably have a picture of 1953, some beautiful, some beautiful, idyllic you know, white scene in some white suburbs in a white restaurant with only white folks. White diner you and know? a white, white woman diner. in a white
2: apron with, with skateboards and serving everyone hot dogs with a white milkshake with a smile on her face.
1: Yes. And that is the picture that they have up. And they said, what are the ways that we can go to get that back? How do we, and it's not, and it's not subtle. That's the thing that it, it just, everybody always acts shocked, right? Oh my God, I cannot believe these three horrible justices, right? Are going to vote down Roe v. Wade. Vote Roe v. Wade hangs in the balance. Uh, it doesn't hang in the balance. It was done when Donald Trump got three Supreme Court yeah. justices. Done. It was over. You wanted to start debate then?
2: Well, so- it's it catch up, right, Daniel? Because you know, human beings, as as we know oftentimes are blind and ignorant to uh, the chaos and challenges and problems that exist under our very nose until we are faced to confront it, right? And like, like, we need blunt force trauma, especially in America. And you made a point that I, which is harsh to some people, but I agree with it completely is we worship money in this country, the, co- the, the color that really dominates is a color green, Americans yep. worship money, we love money, everything comes down to money and power and influence, right? Which is why in part, like you said, the narrative Donald Trump, The bullshit narrative matters, messaging matters, because he created and manufactured the narrative of the art of the deal, the titan, which was all BS. The man lost like a billion dollars, has been bankrupted several times, squandered away the inflated wealth that his father gave him. Uh, But Apprentice came in, a vehicle of Hollywood and created this aura of wealth. And people are like, aha, the wealth of Trump. I want that. That's the American dream yep. I want. Shining gold, huh. literally. And so, you know, wealth matters, whiteness matters, and power matters. And so many people of color then chase whiteness at the expense of creating this multicultural coalition. Because I think what people don't realize is this reclamation project is coming after all of us. The analogy I've given is We are dealing with Thanos. Thanos is playing with all the marbles. And I've given this analogy is that I am trying to create a multicultural Avengers where you might not agree with me on like 30, 40 percent of the stuff. I don't care. I need to create an ecosystem of resistance to Thanos. And you can disagree with me on X, Y and Z. But I think you and I, if we can agree that fascism is bad and white Mm -hmm. supremacy Mm -hmm. is bad, then let's get our shit together because they're coming after women's rights. They're coming after Muslims. They've always been after black people. They're coming after any climate change advocacy because they love greed and they hate regulation. They're coming after Mexicans. They're coming after Jews. And they're going to come after LGBTQ. And they'll even come after white allies because they'll yep. see them as race traders.
1: Which is exactly what Kyle Rittenhouse did. There you right? go right? The people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed were not people of color. They were white, right? That were out marching allied along with people of color. Stop killing them, right? This is ridiculous. You know, it's it It's so amazing to me how deep we can see all that is happening and all of the connections and all of the machinations of it. And yet those that are in power Act as if they can't see a damn thing. Mm. I, I, I like I am still like. So, for instance. Let's go to Lauren Boebert and uh, Representative Ilhan Omar. Oh, let's. So. On the news. They have been calling it MSNBC hosts and anchors refer to it as a feud. Oh, wow! there is a feud that is happening between. Lauren Boebert and representative. You notice that I don't refer to that woman as anybody's representative um, because she should she should have never been in Congress. Yeah. Um, If they had some type of, you know, elite testing, she wouldn't have made it in. Um, Nonetheless, the language matters. When you refer to, let's say, the Tulsa massacre as a massacre. Instead of a race riot, you have a different presentation of who, who the victims are, right? Who was being terrorized? Who was slaughtered? That it wasn't a clash, right? When Mm -hmm. that's the other word that they've been using in the media. There's a clashing between, you know, the freshman members of Congress, these younger members of Congress. There's a clash. No, there is not. Right. Because that would take actually two sides, two forces to create a clash. Mm. They would take two people going back and forth to create a feud. Lauren Boebert is harassing Representative Ilhan Omar. She is placing a target on her back. She is making jokes to people with guns Mm. who are itching to use them. That she is evil with a black heart, she says. Yeah,
2: her and Rashida Tlaib, black-hearted women.
1: Black-hearted, evil women. Yeah. And what do white men with guns do to black-hearted, evil women? They've been burning them at the stake since the 1600s. Mm. This is what they are doing. And so I'm just like, again, I don't under... why Why is the mainstream media so reckless? With the language that they use when they're discussing what is happening right now.
2: I think it's not, it's not just media. I think every single institution in America, including media institutions, are ill prepared to confront and deal with the reality that you and I have talked about and you've been talking about on your show for years. Uh, about the Reclamation Project of White Supremacy. They just don't see it. They can't, they, don't, they don't have the language. They don't have the history. Uh, it doesn't affect them. So they might care, but they don't really care because it makes for good ratings and business is good and they don't want to disturb the well and they don't see race, which means they don't see racism. It doesn't affect their wives. It doesn't affect their community. It doesn't affect their children. So they can afford to be zoologists, observers, these mm. alleged neutral umpires who just call balls and strikes. But as you mentioned, framing matters. Language matters. The double standards are felt acutely when this happens because I cannot imagine Ilhan Omar or AOC or Rashida Tlaib or Corey Bush or Jamal Bowman ever, you know, saying these horrible things against Bobert for being a Christian she's a christian supremacist she's a christian terrorist look at these christian right wing terrorists in this country making up bullshit lies making jokes about her being um, a friggin you know christian fascist because she has guns uh but that's what she said right that the whole wink wink nudge nudge was oh she doesn't have a backpack what does that mean muslim woman yep. wears hijab is a terrorist and so yep. you know and 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 uh, the, literally marjorie taylor green has chased around aoc outside the capitol house yelling at her and let's not forget just like um what's let what's the what's the one the token that they got yes i said token winsome sears in virginia she had <laughs> can i say that am i allowed to say that of course
1: uh, you can say it
2: yeah, yeah, yeah well, the, all, as all long as it's, it's the truth have, you
1: can say all, it
2: all of our communities have the token cultural validators you know marjorie taylor green had that image of her with sunglasses with the assault rifle and behind her were the photos of you know the squad what does that mean goes back to terror. So I cannot imagine the squad ever seeing that getting away with. I'm old enough to remember that Ilhan Omar did this tweet about APAC and Benjamins, and we're still talking about it. Meanwhile, Madison Cawthorn, after the Rittenhouse verdict, looked at the camera and sent a message out, a video out to his followers, literally saying, and I'm quoting him, be armed and dangerous. Can you imagine, Daniel, if Ilhan and AOC looked at the camera and told their Mm. followers be armed and dangerous after, oh, I don't know, a police shooting that killed a black or brown person? What would this country do? Specifically, what would the framing be? And what would our colleagues in the media, how would they describe it?
1: They, how would they describe it? They would... Turn them into the biggest thugs the, thugs. the 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 thugs, um, extremists, radicals, um, radicals. Uh, you know the American ISIS. I mean the the way it would take not even a moment for them to be expelled from Congress, right? Because you see that would happen to them.
2: It Democrats would like, throw oh, them under the, the a- bus.
1: Throw them under the bus; they would be gone. And
2: they already, the they already throw exactly. them under the bus. They already throw them under the bus. literally see. This is what this is. I was the latest article I wrote, which was how the squad—four women of color, well, probably now five—with Cory and now Jamal Bowman, people of color, progressive, outspoken, who, who who you know who say crazy things about income inequality and racial justice and police reform, and you know some of them champion defund the police the ecosystem of the right wing has very wisely used the squad as a human pinata and the boogeyman to paint anyone who's liberal and Democrat as these radicals. And like we talked about last time, Democrats like Carville and Spanberger and other quote unquote moderates have internalized that language and that wokeness thrown the squad under the bus, which inflames death threats against them. Meanwhile, again, it goes back to framing I've always said, and people like, you know, many of the same people who criticize you, I said, Bobart, Gates, Green, Gosar are the future, the mainstream future of the Republican Party. People said, no, 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 they're nuts. They're McConnell is, McCarthy is. Well, so far, we're recording this in the middle of the week. Bobart still has not been criticized by Republican leadership. Green has still not been criticized. And Gosar, who tweeted a violent anime threat against AOC, that was just last week, folks. Uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, has not been criticized. What does that mean? That they are central to the Republican Party, mainstream, accepted and condoned. You do not see that framing. And earlier today, Green said on Steve Bannon's show, we are not the fringe, we are the the base. base. And
1: I'm like, again, with the Bond villain, (laughs) I am looking dead into the camera (laughs) on a microphone telling you who the fuck I am (laughs) and what I'm doing. And everybody's just like, do you think they're the base? Do you do you think they matter to the base? They literally just told you.
2: Yeah, we're like, I am Blofeld. I have a giant laser pointing at Earth, a, a Jewish space laser that I've hijacked from the Jews. I think that have caused wildfires and people. Yeah, that's a throwback because Margie Taylor Green literally oh, yeah. believes that Jews are yes. responsible for space lasers that caused the wildfires, which is why she got censured and stripped of her communities from the Democrats in February, but Republicans gave her a standing ovation. Yeah, they're it's, like, it's like the title credit. It's like, you know that the James Bond movie where there's like the opening scene, the first 10-minute action scene, then there's that musical credit where it's like naked women in gold and James yes. Bond like <laughs> shooting at them. Like right before then, like Blofeld or the, the villain says, hey, 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 James Bond, let's just cut to the chase. Uh, let's, let's save $200 million in two hours of screen time. Here's my plan, and, and James Bond is like, hmm. I think you have economic anxiety. Let's let's spend two <laughs> hours debating this. Let's bring on Chris Christie to debate this. That's America right now.
1: I think I think you have I think you have education anxiety yeah. now, right? Yeah. It's edu- it was economic. It's education. Let's talk about it. That is exactly the response. It's like they're telling it, and I don't even. I I keep thinking to myself. When will we?
0: Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves, real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. Stop in the media referring to the Republican Party as like this normal po- political party. Yeah. Like, oh, I I keep hearing, you know, we're on Capitol Hill and the Republicans are trying to gum up the works again, and it's like, um, it's
2: like a New York Times tra- <clears throat> from yesterday uh, in discussion about how they're trying to literally cheat when it comes to redistricting. They're like the Republicans are are trying you know are 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 trying to re reef reformat i'm trying to get to the headline but it was such a benign headline using language and framing obscuring their like literally their malevolent plan as they're redistricting such as in ohio to strip black voters of their voting power to the point where the elections are rigged just like in wisconsin right like even if democrats win the majority of votes thanks to gerrymandering and redistricting and state legislatures that are owned by now well, I didn't say owned, owned by Koch brothers, but run by Republicans, it's it's rigged. Like you can have 57% of the vote, you'll still lose.
1: I just, like, and so how, how is it that I feel like you, me, our actual colleagues that we like and respect are like screaming into the void, screaming into the void, like, guys, everything their entire plan is coming together. And guess what? They didn't need the White House in order to do it. Right? Like that. This is the scary thing, is that forever we've been told that it's the president, it's the presidency, that's the most powerful, that's the most important. They have systematically been able to stage a coup and a takeover, and it's continuing on and they lost the presidency. We, this is what winning looks like, Waj. Did you know that?
2: <laughs> well, we have Manchinema, right? We have Manchinema, who still won't kill the uh, filibuster, uh, still wants to, by the way, kill paid parental leave because he thinks he'll get bipartisanship to do it separately, even though his Voting Rights Act, he couldn't even get 10 Republicans for his Voting Rights Act, but he believes he'll get bipartisanship. And without you, look, I, I just did, tweeted this earlier today, because based on the latest, latest information that's coming out, they're like, Democrats and democracy is running out of time, based on what we've discussed with voter suppression bills and gerrymandering. Without Voting Rights Act, it's over. It's it's, it's done. Like I don't see, I don't see how the democracy survives. It's I think it's probably the number one issue, even uh, before BBB and infrastructure. I think Voting Rights Act is the number one issue, and yet going back to your point of people with wealth and whiteness who don't feel the pain. People like Manchinima, Joe Manchin, Kristen Cinema, they can afford. To claim bipartisanship, they can afford yep. to talk about objectivity. They can afford to waste time talking about economic anxiety. They can afford to um, say, "Oh, police reform is too much too soon. Immigration reform is too much too soon," because it doesn't affect them, and that's the reality. Until and unless it really affects them, they won't care. And I was wrong about something. I'll always admit when I'm wrong. A couple of years ago, I think it was 2017. Uh, 2018. Maybe I was on Chris Hayes' show on MSNBC. And Chris was Mm -hmm. like, well, what it'll take for Republicans to turn on Trump? And I said, I don't think they will. I think we have lost about 30 percent of this country in my lifetime. However, this is where I was wrong. This is pre-recession, pre-pandemic. I assumed there would be a recession that Trump would F up before the 2020 election and enough of his base would feel economic pain that maybe 10 percent would say, nope, but whiteness is so strong, like herpes, mm. it always flares up. Uh, mm. I was wrong about this. That even in death, and I mean literal death, I'm talking about COVID, guys. Even in death, they're like, we're gonna stay on with whiteness.
1: I mean, you know, I, I tell you because I talk to Jonathan Metzl every week. Great book, on woke Dying of Whiteness. And Dying of Whiteness. I tell you, I said to him this week, I said, you're an oracle. He like, called it, You, do you I'm like. Did you have any idea? Right. Like I, clearly you did that. You saw so far right into where we are. And I'm I'm literally I'm asking because I'm saying. It's about to be 2022. Midterm elections. This is literally our last election. Right. Like it could be, it this could be is our it. last
2: election our, our free. And it, it could be a quote unquote free and fair election. There are other elections in. Hybrid democracies and backsliding democracies, but it's a sham. Russia also has elections; no one takes it seriously,
1: right? Because Putin has been in power for what twenty-one years,
0: yeah, right? So uh,
1: you know, and changed it so that he could be in power up for like thirty-six years or something like. And then when he gets (laughs) close to that, it'll change again. Um, I just, I don't, I guess, I, I, I'm just like, I don't know where we go because I don't think much in the same way. Right? That back in 2015, when I was screaming my head off on every news channel that would have me, that we cannot elect Donald Trump because it will be the end of our democracy. Mm. And everyone said, you're being hyperbolic. Yeah, yeah. You're crazy.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? But you knew where this was going. And so now here we are. We don't get rid of the filibuster because of Cinema and Mansion. We have no voting rights. We have no abortion in this country. We have rampant gun use. Is up. Gun purchases are up. Watch. What is What? Where? Where is their hope? I need yeah, to leave yeah, people with something. Yeah, I, and I, I like I got how you bring, nothing. you always
2: bringing me in for the hope. Uh, I, I I try to always have hope. Look, this I I actually tweeted this earlier today. It, it, you know, literally just kind of sitting with this type of exasperation and sometimes depression and rage that you have expressed that I think is familiar to many and it's being felt by many. They feel overwhelmed. You feel outnumbered and literally outgunned. And you're like, how can I have hope? I'm just one person. And what I tweeted and what I'll share again is I believe with all the challenges that you have described, which I accept, that Republicans are overreaching. In their reclamation project, they're going to get too ambitious and too arrogant in trying to go back to 1953. And unfortunately, like I said, human beings need to experience pain and see it to finally wake up. I think once they kill Roe v. Wade, and once they go after contraception, and once they like literally just take it two steps further, right? Because I think Bobart and Green and Gates and others are almost there. I think they will awaken a majority. I Look, I, I don't underestimate the majority because I had this conversation with a friend, right after the death murder excuse me of george floyd he said the same thing mm-hmm. you said he goes i feel no hope people are overwhelmed yep. people are dejected people are cynical people care too much about money and i said sometimes all it takes is a spark and i think this might be the spark there's something that just confronts you head on and wakes people up and more than 15 mil- million people in america and all across the world came out on the streets of protest right and which then began it forced the backlash two steps forward one step back that's white rage we always know that but i think you know i don't underestimate women and i don't underestimate the majority especially as they attack our teachers they attack our children they attack women and once Mm -hmm. they kill roe v wade roe v wade's been around for 50 years, I still don't think enough people realize what's happening. Once they try to go get that abortion, and you hear a story about another woman killing herself because she stuck a hanger up there or a back alley abortion, like once those stories come out, and unfortunately they will, all it takes is a spark, Danielle, because there is something in America that reminds us of hey, we took on the motherfucking British, you know, we took on oppressors, and we just need that type of energy to unite the majority. Unfortunately, that type of zealous energy right now belongs to the radicalized minority. Mm.
1: You know, Waj, I I pray that you are right. I do too. I pray, but I just want you also to recognize that the energy that took on the oppressors, that was called a war. Mm. And so <laughs> in order... <laughs> In order for us to get back to this feeling of some sense of democracy and not democracy ish, mm. right? I feel like, in all honesty, that is the direction we're headed because that's what they want. And, you know, and I'll say this one piece of good news, mm. one piece of good news, dear people, I will leave you with. As of this recording, Stacey Abrams has announced that Boom. she is going to take on Brian Kemp again in Georgia, and please God, let that be the spark that wakes people up because Brian Kemp has got to go, and I just fear that he will set his sights on the presidency, right? As will DeSantis and other Republican governors, but for this moment, we'll hold on to the fact that Stacey is not done yet.
2: Chase Stacey, don't chase Karen.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody with my friend Wajahat Ali, and we will be back if, in fact, democracy doesn't fall before our next taping.